0: Welcome to Finance with Factor, a place you can come to laugh and learn from local experts about everything related to the world of real estate. Each week we cover a unique topic to help you understand the mortgage industry, navigate the home buying process and grow your business while maintaining a slice of sanity. Now that he has climbed safely atop his soapbox, here is your host, a senior loan officer with Mortgage Network, Jason Factor,
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Finance with Factor. Thank you very much for joining me. Before we even get started, I should mention a huge thank you to everyone who's listened and subscribed over the past year. Believe it or not, this is episode 99, and that blows my mind. But we've also been running a promotion that I'm very happy to continue into the new year that for every new subscriber, we will donate $10 to the Friends of Boston Homeless. Last year, we donated enough money to help someone get off the street and into permanent and safe dignified housing. So thank you to all the listeners and subscribers who were part of that contribution. I really sincerely appreciate it. And I'm sure that everyone out there who's affected and impacted by your following this podcast and therefore philanthropy, we appreciate it or they appreciate it as well. Today, I want to talk a little bit about something near and dear to my heart. Before I got into lending, I was, um, an aspirational madman, Don Draper. I wanted to go into advertising and I thought that it was just the coolest profession ever. I still am a junkie for watching commercials. My wife despises it, but I'll sit there and analyze the commercial more than I will the show she's watching. Uh, It's like, well, she'll be watching Grey's Anatomy or something and I'll be commenting on the commercials while the show's on. She's like, would you just stop and go away? Um, (laughs) The point is commercials, have a message, they have a meaning. And those messages and meanings, they're not accidental. And if they miss the mark with me, it's probably because they weren't for me. Today, my guest, Lindsay, is Group Strategy Director with Mullen & Lowe. It's an advertising firm out of Boston here. It's a local firm with a national presence. Lindsay is an executive on a number of national brands. She's also a client. And has graced me with her presence and knowledge today, and I hope to grift off of it in a way that benefits everyone who's listening. If you're a small business owner out there, a realtor, um, anyone in the real estate profession that sits down and makes a marketing plan, I assure you today will be worth a few minutes of your time. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. Psyched to be here.
1: Well, perhaps before I dive into content, um, I should give you a chance to uh, share a little bit about yourself and, and sort of where you're coming at from your perspective on marketing and your experience.
2: Sure, um, I'm actually glad for once to have an audience in you that <laughs> understands what I'm saying. Most people probably won't get it even after I explain it. Um, so I work in um, at an advertising agency and I work in strategy and basically what that means, it sounds maybe a little vague, but um, I'm the voice of, of the customer In every single piece of creative work that we put out into the world. So I make sure that not only our clients understand them, um, but our work is going to resonate with them to your earlier point and, and that they just generally feel seen and heard. I think oftentimes advertising gets, you know, could get a bad rep um, and that folks feel like they're being actively sold to Mm -hmm. and my job to help us avoid that, to give the creatives a, a nice little box of play in so they can be as creative and interesting and memorable as possible.
1: And that's, so you mentioned the word memorable. To me, that's sort of the thing, right? There are certain ads that are super sticky. Um, I think about the, uh, <laughs> I think about, this is just showing me and where I am in my life, but the movie Inside Out, how the the little archivists keep shoving the Trident gum commercial up into. or whatever, fix it in gum or whatever it is up into the, the kid's head. And she just will randomly be humming it as she walks down the street. There are certain things in advertising that are innately sticky, but usually that's because they hit you at the right time or they hit the right people, right? Like that, that gum commercial might be sticky for a number of people, but if you don't chew gum, it might not be as sticky. Um, when you start with a product or a service or a client, where does that marketing plan really start? Does it start with the idea, the creative, or does it start with the audience that you're going for? Like, How do you sort of get over that writer's cramp of starting with a blank page?
2: So hopefully you see this answer as opportunistic versus overwhelming, but um, never the same place twice in my experience. (laughs) So I think that you know, it's exciting to be a strategist in that we're solving problems and we're analyzing whatever a business goal is or whatever a consumer cultural tension or truth is and figuring out where our our place is, how we can solve it and what to do about it um, for our clients. And so I would recommend always understanding who you're speaking to and really doing your due diligence to Put your empathy hat on and um, skim beyond the surface observations, and really get at some insights and learn who these folks are, who your prospects are. Um, so then, that
1: that kind of sounds maybe a little backwards from the way I would assume a lot of people think about it, right? Because a lot of people probably think about it. Let's say I'm I'm attorney law firm X or business Y, they think of it as how do I get clients to me, as opposed to the other way around it sounds like you're saying how do you solve a problem for the consumer
2: yeah and you know it's personal preference but as as a empath myself i i usually find that starting with um where people are in their in this case you know home buying process or whatever the journey is that you're looking into or looking to be a part of And the best way to do that is just to kind of, you know, it's just like any other relationship in your life, just kind of get to know who these people are and what the situations are, what the context is. And then you can sort of think about, all right, well, what's my role? What are competitors doing? What else is going on in the world that I need to be aware of or kind of ride the cultural wave?
1: (laughs) And so it's it's you're solving the problem. And then you mentioned audience as well. What are some of the ways that you start to fine-tune that audience, particularly when maybe you start with a particular problem or product as opposed to an actual audience?
2: Yeah, I think this is something that we're constantly evolving. And as a strategist, it's, it's sort of my job. And really everybody's job is in marketing to stay smart on different ways to get to know people. Um, you know, there's the traditional surveying and leveraging uh, other secondary research resources out there, and that's all well and good. Um, But I think just speaking to people and getting to know who they are, whether that's getting out into the community, talking to maybe other folks within your network, and just listening a little bit. I always like to say that Technically, my job is to just listen for a living (laughs) Um, and actively doing that is is quite difficult. So I think that the first step is remembering that there is a person in every prospect. You know, Mm -hmm. think about words like target or demographic or homebuyers. Those kind of give me a little pause. (laughs) (laughs) They're so
1: impersonal, but you can't help it. Right. Like we all speak in acronyms eventually, whatever profession we're in. But to get away from those when speaking to people, and and I I actually, I should rephrase that because it's actually my biggest pet peeve. I hate the idea that you speak to someone or you talk to someone. I always say speak with as opposed to talk to. And to me, that's kind of what you're talking about here is you're trying to open up a conversation by getting to know the audience that you're going for, right? And, And then how do you then, so to make this a shorter question. You're building a market plan. You start with a blank slate. You now have a problem. The problem might be, I want more customers. Or it might be, people are super stressed out. Um, You're fine tuning that audience, but we talk about home buyers necessarily. That's kind of broad, right? Do you find instances where maybe that's too broad or to actually market to? As a, as a concept, or are there times when you want to narrow that down to maybe subsets of home buyers so that whatever you're doing out there, whether it's a social media post or or actual marketing materials, that they're targeted to the right people?
2: Yeah, that's a, a good question. I think broadly it's important to know some certain certain things about home buyers, whether what what life stage are they in? What are they looking to spend? What type of home or property. Are they looking to purchase? Is it a a first sale or, um, their second or third buy? Okay. Those things are relative and all well and good. And they're a way to help you start narrow down, narrowing down the massive population Mm -hmm. that is all the people out there that you could potentially work with. (laughs) Um, but I think once you've done that, then you can start thinking about, um, you know, how else might you get to know these people? Furthermore, how might you refer to them differently to your point? So, um, I think this is where I would recommend getting creative with Mm -hmm. it and that you could start. My point is starting, you know, the creative process early with your thinking and not just saving it for the end with your experiences and your messages and things like that. So for example, you know, if, if home buyers had a had a love language, what would that be? How do they prefer to be communicated with? Are acts of service important to them or is it words of gratitude? Um, So I think like, you know, reframing how you're getting to know people could be a really interesting way to start. If you're just not into getting that creative with it, I think, um, you know, thinking about There are other behaviors outside of home buying. So what happens before they get into this process? What happens during Mm -hmm. what happens after? What other things are they going through in their life? So you could start at the obvious like milestones where someone's getting married, folks have kids going off to college. They might be looking to downsize or invest in a property where the students are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once you get into those places, then you can dive deeper into Okay, if if someone's an empty nester, well, what kind of empty nester are they? Are they really adventurous? You know, are they sort of wild and free with their funds?
0: And, <laughs> and, and so, <laughs>
2: what
1: what you're doing there, and I'm impressed because none of this was planned. Um, <clears throat> which, to anyone who's ever listened to my podcasts, you clearly know is true. I don't plan much of these conversations, <laughs> um, but what Lindsay just did there to me was impressive because she took the concept of home buyer and said, sure, you can brand yourself as a real estate professional and target home buyers, but that's so broad. Now let's subset that market and then find a way to target those markets. And again, whether that's through digital spaces, um, print, or even just referral-based marketing, You're able to then say like okay here are my VA buyers, how do I speak specifically with them, you know, how do I communicate better, what are the anxieties of someone who's downsizing, what are the pressures that someone is feeling maybe from a timeline or a price point that just had a bunch of kids and needs to grow out of their apartment, um, or move to the suburbs or move back into the city, whatever it is right like school district versus downsizing those are two very different conversations. So how you communicate with those groups can be unique and to open up the conversation we talk about being sticky a va ad to a first-time home buyer who's not a veteran not very sticky jason factor as a realtor not going to stick very memorably with that buyer because i missed the target right
2: yeah i think Um, that go ahead
1: no no after you
2: yeah, I think I think um, that another way to think about it too is that everything you're saying is is critical to keep in mind. But also, these things that you learn about your audience can be applied almost immediately. Mm-hmm. I think we talk a lot about marketing in terms of ads and communications, but it's everyday conversation. It's body language. It's where you are out in the community. It's every single aspect of how you present yourself. Um, and you know, I'll use I try not to get subjective you know, I'm certainly not really the audience, but in this case, I'm, I kind of am. And, you know, as being part of this process myself right now, it's emotional. It's, it's really one of the obviously biggest purchases you're going to make, you know, in your life. And I find myself getting asked questions from professionals, you know, to no fault of their own. Like, you know, I've been in seeing a place for 10 minutes and someone will say, is this the one? How, do you love it? You
0: know.
1: Well, <laughs> shotgun marriages are kind of how we do real date. estate. <laughs> right. It's sort so of I like mean, you walk in, you go on a first date, and then ten minutes into that first date, you're not only married, but you're having kids.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just even just kind of um, pulling yourself up, you know, at thirty thousand feet as a communicator in the everyday is worthwhile. And if if you learn that this is really emotional for someone or if you know a little bit about what they might be interested in or why they're there or what they aspire, you know, this property to be mm-hmm. for, become for them, um, then you start to change your perspective and the way you communicate. I, I would say almost immediately.
1: And, and so we talked about subsetting the target audience or dividing out the target audience into Maybe demographic categories necessarily like the type of homebuyer, where they are, what they're looking for. But what Lindsay's saying there, and correct me if I'm long, wrong, Lindsay is even to the non-demographic stuff of just emotionally subsetting your group so you can speak to them. And I mean, in the end, being sticky is about generating an emotion, right? So if Lindsay as a first-time homebuyer is feeling anxious, that might be very different than Lindsay as uh, a buyer looking for an investment property where it's so much more analytical and so the way i speak to lindsay and become sticky in one of those two situations would be entirely different
2: that's right and you know as a shortcut if you want to even just be self aware about culturally what's going on in the world you know <laughs>
1: times, no, i'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> a lot of times as as marketers that's where we start yeah. you know we've yeah. talked up until now about starting with the consumer, but you could start with what's going on in culture, like I said. So mm-hmm. whether that is at a at a global level or even, you know, coming off of a pandemic, what's going on right now is people yeah. have absolutely, totally shifted their priorities. Many are mm-hmm. out there trying to define their new normal. Um, and, you know, everyone's got major main character energy and they're trying to, to only do what serves them. And so what would home buying on their terms start to mm-hmm. look like? And you can go can- from
1: it can be really different too because when you talk about going on globally, I mean, the conversation around rent increases, rates coming up, housing shortages, inflation like, there are a lot of things that home buyers are hearing on the news that speak to a global conversation that may or may not be relevant depending on how you want to market yourself, right? Um, so we've subset it, we've we've sort of created a target audience, right? We've we've created a an overall kind of arch um, of who we want to talk to. Maybe we've now subdivided that and we're making a marketing plan here. So now we have our, our group of people that we want to speak with. We we've come up with some creative ideas or ways to communicate with them, maybe a few platforms we want to speak to them on, whether that's again referrals, social, whatever how do we know if we've hit the mark? Like I can, I can give you an example because that's a very broad question, but um, for example, we did a podcast a while back with the founder of LendAid and we spoke about testimonials versus reviews and really how to data mine some of those reviews to come up with, to Lindsay's point, the creative things and emotional things or, or key words that we wanted to phrase on in our marketing plans for the coming year. Now that we've kind of found those words, what are some ways that we subtly <laughs> introduce those words to make sure from a strategy standpoint, we're staying on brand?
2: Um, yeah, so I'm gonna take, I'm gonna pull us back just a little bit. Okay, um, please. Clean the slate, if that's okay. Yeah. I think if you have, as a marketer, some of these elements in place, I'd suggest maybe a refresh, you know, every couple of years. And where I would start is, if you understand what problem you're trying to solve, I think it's time to revisit why why you're out there, why you're doing what you're doing, and really what your purpose is. And this doesn't have to be as esoteric as I make it out to be. Um, What I'm really saying is kind of, what's your why and what is your unique selling proposition in the space and Mm -hmm. everybody has that and they're very simple you know this is not a creative statement that necessarily needs to be put out in the world but it's sort of something you keep in the back of your mind and it starts to help you formalize every single piece of communication from there you know so for example if I use JetBlue as an airline, you know, their unique selling proposition and kind of their why is to inspire humanity, you know, in the air and on the ground. And um, if you think about that as a, a strategic sort of director, you can understand how to start to apply that across mm-hmm. every element of your your marketing funnel. And I think that starting with the funnel, every I'm assuming everybody knows this, but I'll say it if not um it's I'm, I'm literally holding up my hands and showing you a funnel right now that's pointing down and you start at the top with t- either attention or awareness you eventually go down to go towards interest to go towards desire or drive and then um, action you know and as that funnel narrows your prospects and your efforts get more targeted and so i think putting your, your target into that putting you and um, your purpose in this case as a realtor into that, what you get out in the end should inform a comms plan. So.
1: And that is something that if you're out there and you have done marketing plans in your head but never actually put pen to paper, or you're one of these people that does things so reactively that you've never actually developed a marketing plan, you can literally Google target audience funnel and something will come up and you can start with exactly what Lindsay said there. You know, I I know it's a practice that, thank you, Professor Cakebread, we used to have to do in ad 101. You know, you started with the funnel and you worked your way down until you popped out the individual kernel you wanted to speak with. Um, How does any of this process change? So a couple of things you just said there, like JetBlue, massive brand. You've worked with some really big brands. Does this process change when we're talking about a product versus service? And does it change when you're talking about a budget of JetBlue versus Jason Factor?
2: <laughs> uh, frankly, no. <laughs> no, I think um, if you want to do right by yourself and be, be a good planner at heart and make sure that you're set up for success and that you have room for error and room to optimize, I would I would put a plan in place like this. And it doesn't have to be... Uh, massive or insanely robust. It can be for a certain problem. It can be for a whole year. It can be for five or 10 years, whatever works for you. I think you have to do right by yourself and what your aspirations are. But I think um, another thing that might start to change between size of brands and even types of industry or the ask itself is like I mentioned that comms plan. So communications plan and it, what it is, I think it's it's a chart. I'm talking to a mm-hmm. finance guy. Hopefully, you're gonna love this. I'm getting into spreadsheet <laughs> territory. Um, but if you if you think about what your what your goal is that you landed on, and then start to get into okay, at every stage of where I'm looking to contact folks and show up out into the world, what's the specific barrier there? What's the role for my communications, and what's my message? What do I want people to do, and then where is that going to happen? And so mm-hmm. once you lay that out across, um, you know, attention, interest, desire, action—however you want to label it—you'll start to see that you have a specific move for yourself to make at every, you know, stage of the process, and. What happens is you have room to optimize and to shift along the way. And I'll say I'm a massive Seinfeld fan (laughs) and I'm, I just started to read a book he put out, I don't know, maybe last year or the year before. And the title is, is this anything? (laughs) And I think that that's what we as marketers should do. Just take our ideas, take our plans and our messages out into the world and talk to people who don't know what you do, who don't care about what you do, and and say, is this anything? Do you understand this? Does this sound mm-hmm. cool to you? Does this do you remember this? And test it out. And that's a good way to kind of learn, check yourself before you wreck yourself, maybe. I,
1: I always say it's so I call it my Super Bowl analogy. It's actually NFL playoffs are here. Super Bowl is coming up. I'll probably put a post out about this soon. But believe it or not. 50%, about 50%, just under 50% of America, done watch the Super Bowl. I've only met one of those individuals in my life. She was my roommate shortly after graduating. When I asked her, it was like, it was like meeting a zebra in the middle of Boston. Like I, <laughs> I was like, oh, you want to, my some of my friends are coming over. You want to hang out and watch Super Bowl? And she was like, What? And I was like, Super Bowl. And she's like, no idea. And I was like, what do you mean, no idea? And she's like, She just had no idea. And I was like, Tom Brady, who is he? And she was like, "Uh, an actor. And I was like, (laughs) no, all right, this is, I was was like, I have to learn more about this. This is fascinating. Um, But that concept of I'm in my own bubble. I had never met anyone like her yet 50% of America is just like her. So the idea of speaking with some common knowledge and knowing who you're speaking to on a level that they can understand, is this anything? I mean, that's that's exactly what we're talking about here, right? Is like the ability to go out and be like, do you understand what I'm saying here to a total stranger and get that feedback?
2: Yeah, and you know what, Jason, your attitude that you just expressed right there, I think is actually pretty brilliant and a good one to have, a nice approach to take just to the world in general, but especially if you're gonna put your marketing hat on. And just remembering that, you know, we don't always need to know why someone thinks differently than we do or, you know, what made them think that way. We just kind of have to, I have to accept it sometimes and be fascinated by it and start to get curious. And then that's when you ask questions. That's when you get to know people and put yourself in their shoes, you know, as they say. So I think that having that perspective and remembering that there are people out there who don't care
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and just like don't understand the jargon right so like when you're doing all this stuff making sure that you're using a common enough language that everyone can understand it what are some ways and, and I want to be sensitive to your time here but like what are some ways that you know you've hit the mark right so like you've you know is this anything and people actually say what what is it that that you start to know you're on the right track
2: I think it's it's of course different given the size of um, the brand or the amount of communications you have out in the world. You know, for a massive brand that we might work with, either on a national or local level, you'll see social conversation pop up mm-hmm. and people start to share or you know press wanting to cover whatever our conversation is, and that's all well and good. Yeah, I think on a local level, if you're getting a lot of referrals, if people are coming into your open houses, maybe off the street or reaching out to you actively to work with you or partner with you in some way.
1: I think you're on the right track.
2: Yeah, you're on the right track. It's Um, all in
1: parallel, right? Like what I'm I'm pulling out of this conversation is that, yes, Lindsay works on a massive global brand and she has a big budget with zeros at the end. But everything we're doing on a guerrilla warfare marketing grassroots level, it's all done in parallel right? And like that might just be a small piece of the communication and strategy that you put in place on a giant brand, but, and that might be a hundred percent of our strategy on a, you know, locally budgeted kind of outreach, but the actual planning process and the strategy remains the same.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just relationships. (laughs) We're just building and managing relationships. And if you remember that there's a human on the other end, um, whether that's billions of humans or are just a few that might be <laughs> in the open house with you for the day. Um, and you actively treat that relationship like it's a two-way street. You continue to add value and I guarantee you'll start to see engagement on the other end and as much investment in that relationship as you initially put in. And I think mm-hmm. that's where the long-term value starts to to starts to build up that's something that we want to continue to manage and incubate <laughs> for kind of it's a great word for time. It. <laughs> over time um you i know, saw not- your
1: brain search for the thesaurus there but that yeah. was the perfect word for it
2: <laughs> yeah i mean you know at the end of the day folks are buying buying homes in this case and of course that is transactional in nature but to your earlier point it these things are extremely emotional and human and it's a relationship. So I think applying your personal touch to how you might manage your relationships as a professional um, is pretty much the best way to, to stand out and to win.
1: I cannot think of a better place to leave off the conversation than to let real estate people think that they might win. So. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay, for making time to swing by. If you have any interest in following Lindsay um, on social media or following any of her her work, um, by all means, if you're a big enough product out there to hire uh, an actual ad agency, Google Mullen Lowe, ask for Lindsay, make sure she's on your account team, and I promise you, you'll get a good product out of it. Um, Otherwise, thank you very much for, for tuning in. Again, please click subscribe, follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Ten dollars will go to a wonderful cause to help people that are less fortunate find their dream home and get off the street um, into safe, dignified housing. So thank you very much, Lindsay, for making time to swing by. Um, thank you to everyone for listening next week, episode one hundred. I have a very special guest coming on, a friend and my first ever verified blue check mark of a guest so um Stay tuned for an Emmy award-winning guest to join us next week and talk about something that I think will be relevant to everyone. Lindsay, thank you very much. I look forward to checking in with you again soon.
2: Thanks, Jason. Congrats on a hundred (laughs) upcoming.
1: Thanks, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Finance with Factor. Please remember to like, rate, share, and subscribe then if you really like us, unsubscribe and resubscribe again. Of course, that can be our secret, but it helps our ratings. Have an idea for an upcoming topic you want us to cover? Post a comment. For the full video version of this episode or any of our previous episodes, please find, like, and follow Jason on YouTube or Facebook at Jason Factor Mortgage Network and on Instagram at Finance with Factor. All content on Finance with Factor is self-published by Jason Factor, Senior Loan Officer, NMLS, number 1401985. All rates, guidelines, and advice discussed on this episode is subject to change. For a full list of disclosures, visit the License and Disclosure page at jasonfactor.com.